3: welcome back in everybody fox sports radio hour two the jason smith show with mike harman jason and mike are out this evening filled in earlier in the day for dan patrick if you want to go back and listen you could go ahead and download that podcast jason and mike will be back tomorrow evening by the way if you're enjoying Dan Beyer and Aaron Torres, uh, we will be filling in for Doug Gottlieb tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern time. All
4: new topics as well. Nothing you hear tonight will be talked about tomorrow.
3: Well, maybe by then, uh, <laughs> one, uh, maybe Kevin Durant will be on a new team. Maybe Kyrie Irving will be on a new team. Maybe the the Pac-12 will add some teams. Maybe the SEC will add some teams. I should mention before we get back to the show, I hope everybody had a great Fourth of July. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed time with their friends, with their family, and you can also Always tweet into the show at Aaron underscore Torres at Dan Byron on Fox. Let us know where uh, where you're listening all that good stuff. We got a couple uh, tweets in. Uh, Jason B. Diamond has tweeted in several times. We appreciate his support of today's show. Uh, And uh, also, it looks as though Tony says, LeBron 80 and soon-to-be Kyrie in purple and gold with an eye emoji, the eyeball emoji. I think people are going to be covering their eyes by about uh, the middle of December there with uh, with those three. No, I'm kidding. Listen, you know, we'll, we'll get to the college football stuff in a second, but with LeBron, Kyrie, and AD, and you and I have talked about this. We'll, you know, to to your point, we'll probably talk about it again tomorrow. Nobody's questioning the collection of talent. It just comes down to how often is Anthony Davis going to be healthy. How often is Kyrie just going to decide, you know, I don't really feel like playing tonight. I got other interests outside of basketball. I don't think anybody's questioning the individual talent of the three, just how often we'll actually see it. And again, if if they will be able to, I guess, you know, um, play enough together to get cohesion, chemistry, all the stuff that both the Los Angeles Lakers and Brooklyn Nets were clearly lacking this year, Dan.
4: So Kyrie and Durant play 47 games together. As members of the Brooklyn Nets, I think that was the that was the number. At least that's what I saw at a meme that showed that Hakeem Olajuwon and Vince
3: Carter played more games together Whoa. as members of the Raptors. If, Shaq and LeBron, I, I, that was the one that I heard. I swear. So, in Cleveland, one year, they played more than than uh, KD and Kyrie played in three years together in Brooklyn.
4: So 47 games, if that trio gets together, do you think that we would see that trio on the court for more than
3: 47 games? Um, I don't. And I'll tell you why. Because, you know, keep in mind, Kyrie obviously could be a free agent next year. Uh, Mm -hmm. It could go really well. It could not go well. And if it goes well, he could legitimately have other suitors. If it doesn't go well, we've seen LeBron move off of people like Russell Westbrook as an example very quickly. So I'm actually going to go under because I, I think 47 implies that all three of them are on the court and playing together next year. They probably make a deep playoff run uh, and that they, they all return intact for 2023-2024, and I just don't think that's happening.
4: Yeah, I agree. I agree as well. Plus, there's going to be some point in these in these regular seasons where if if they were to get together, you would have to think like, okay, maybe LeBron's got a bum bum quad. Let's send them out for a week. Let's let AD and Kyrie kind of mm-hmm. carry this this ship. And now, guess what? AD's dinged up, so now it's the LeBron and Kyrie show. So yeah, to have the to have all of the the stars in the universe align for them to play fifty or more games, if Kyrie were to join them, I think it's darn near impossible.
3: That's what I think, too. And, again, that's probably part of the reason why you bring in Kyrie is so that LeBron can take nights off as he gets older as he's approaching his 38th birthday in December. So, yeah, I I, I get it. I get the excitement. I don't think they're a favorite. I don't think they're going to be on the court a lot together. And I don't don't think it's going to work out. I don't think it's going to work out the way that fans want. I don't think it's going to uh, bring Los Angeles another NBA title. Uh, Dan, do you want to switch gears? Kind of staying in Los Angeles, though. Obviously, the other big story of the week uh, in sports, outside of everything going on in the NBA, is, of course, USC and UCLA making their move on Thursday. It becomes it goes from uh, not even reported to official by the end of the day. They are now members of the Pac-12. And, and obviously, look, we've had about 72 hours now to kind of react to it. And we'll spend some time over the next three hours talking about what could potentially be next in terms of realignment. I will say this, though, Dan. I was thinking about one thing. And it kind of actually plays into that that Lakers thing of, you know, they're, we kind of talked about Jeannie Buss a minute ago, and they're a little bit of a butt of a joke right now and all that stuff. And what I was thinking about as it pertains to this story is, this is this is happening, it's done, whatever. I was also thinking about how the perception of one person, or maybe even two people, depending on how you look at it, can completely change the perception of how we deem something to be a decision that gets made, right? Right. Um, and I'll give you an example as it pertains to this, is that I was thinking about if if USC, like, like this move is universally, I think, obviously, look, Pac-12 fans are disappointed, but I think for the most part, it's pretty much universally like this is a good move for USC and UCLA, this is a good move for the Big Ten, and I think a big part of it is the fact that Lincoln Riley is now the head coach at USC. Hasn't coached a game yet, he has had success in the portal, he brought in Caleb Williams, he brought in Jordan Addison. But I was just thinking about how how different this would be perceived if Lincoln Riley was not the head coach of USC right now. If this had happened a year ago, and Clay Helton was still the head coach, I think USC would be universally mocked, and, and frankly, a lot of the same ways. Really? We, well, listen, I think last year, you go back to last year, when Texas joined the SEC, it was a lot of the same conversation. We get why they're doing it. It's about money. The Big 12 isn't sustainable, whatever. But it was also like, oh, oh. oh Texas thinks they can go to the—they can't even win the Big 12. They can't even beat TCU and Baylor, but they're going to go to the SEC and beat Alabama and Florida. And I think we would be saying the same thing about USC. Instead, they don't have Clay Helton, they do have Lincoln Riley, and now I'm seeing a lot of, oh my goodness, well I mean, they're not Ohio State, but I'll match them up with anybody else. And they're already ahead of where Michigan is, or they're, they're, they're maybe not, they're already. They're soon to be ahead of Michigan, and they're soon to be ahead of Penn State, and the Big Ten needed that second program to step up and compete with Ohio State, and this is it. So yes, I do think that the, the impact of one person, name brand recognition alone of Lincoln Riley, has completely warped the perception of how we deem this decision to be made. I really do believe it, Dan.
4: I I think I come from the other direction because I don't think it's a I I don't think it's a Lincoln Riley sort of deal. What I think if Clay Helton was the head coach at USC and this happens, then we say to ourselves, wow, this move is so big that the big ten or that USC now may need to get a different head coach or has the opportunity to get the coach that they want and pay them that sort of money. So maybe it's to get someone like Lincoln Riley. I think that the Big Ten Conference and just the move, and and really, Aaron, this is the whole Texas-Oklahoma thing, because they were in other conferences before, did not, to me, have the gravity of what USC and UCLA did because of how... USC and UCLA were ingrained in the Pac 12, to the Pac Ten, to the Pac Eight. I mean, we're going back years and years. Like if Texas and Oklahoma played in the Southwest Conference. Then then, you know, it's the Big Twelve and and I mean now they're in the SEC. So we've seen these schools move in our lifetime to think that the Pac that the movement of USC and UCLA to the Big Ten from the Pac 12 almost destroying the PAC 12 to me makes it so much bigger that I can't just even put it on the shoulders of one guy. Cause I just think it's such a monumental move in the history of college athletics. I get what you're saying with college football and what it means, but I just think of the overall aspect of how big and how much UCLA and USC were tied to the Pacific coast and whether it be the PAC 12 conference or just this region of the country That is what is still like I didn't even I honestly, Aaron, I didn't even think of USC and where they would stack up in the Big Ten in football immediately because it was so big to wrap my head around how this is all going to work. That like I I get that USC gets cachet, but if it was Clay Helton in that job, I think we would say, "Well, now USC's got to find a new head coach if they're going to be moving to the Big Ten. That, that that's the sort of domino that I think would fall.
3: See, it's interesting. I thought what you were going to say there was it would have shown how big the USC brand is that the the Big Ten would still want them with Clay Helton as a yeah. head coach. So same, yeah, same thing. Yeah, I I guess you know I I don't necessarily disagree with what you said, and I, I think the difference between Texas and Oklahoma was the idea that at least geographically it sorta of made sense, right? Like Texas yeah. has yep. Texas AM is already in the SEC. Everything is I, I'm I don't have a map of the US in front of me, but I believe they're all bordering states. I do think that that I do think the first reaction was like pure shock. I don't think anybody was really shocked because this is just college sports as we know it now. Crazy stuff is happening all the time. But I I think it was the shock because of the geographic distance, if that makes sense. Like I I think Mm -hmm. it was like, wait a second, these two schools are are going and they're on the West Coast and then now they're playing a bunch of teams on the Eastern and Central time zones. But I, I think that was the first reaction. But then... And I do think part of the the secondary reaction was, oh, it's gonna be really cool to have Lincoln Riley versus Ryan Day. It's gonna be really cool to have UCLA basketball at uh Indiana and stuff like that. But I, I, I don't know. I, I guess this is just one we're not gonna see eye to eye on, and that's fine. That's what we do. It's not you know, we're not always gonna have to agree, but I do think that like I think people would be mocking USC like, like you can't even win the Pac-12 and now you're going to take a step up. And I, and I know people criticize the Big Ten, but there's no doubt the Big Ten is the second best conference in college football right now. A lot of great brands, not just Ohio State, but Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, uh, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan yeah. State. And I think people would just be like, <laughs> kind of what we did with Texas. Who does Texas think they are? Who does USC? Oh, USC can't even beat Oregon State and whoever. But they're gonna go compete with with Michigan and Michigan State. So it's just I, I don't know. I, I do think like Lincoln Riley. It's crazy because he got so much kind of flack when he left Oklahoma. Oh, he's scared of the big. He's scared of the SEC and blah 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 blah. Which I thought was nonsense. But then on the flip side, to see that it feels like everybody feels like by the time USC gets to the Big Ten in 2024, they are going to be ready to compete at the top of that league. Maybe not beat Ohio State, but be right in the mix behind them.
4: What makes me laugh is the, the, your point about people saying that Lincoln Riley couldn't handle the SEC. What would make people think that Lincoln Riley would still be in Oklahoma two years from now? You know, like today, Like he is targeted for every top job that there is, college Pro. or really in the pros. You know, if 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 Mike McCarthy has a down year with the Cowboys and it's not Sean Payton, who's the other name that we're connecting with the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys? Lincoln Riley. It's comical for people to say that he doesn't want to handle the SEC when they're not even going to be jumping there and for three more years anyway. Like so, they sit there and think like he's making a move that far ahead. Oh, ridiculous! Absolutely ridiculous.
3: What do you think, just in terms of on the field? USC, obviously, again, uh, Lincoln Riley's taking advantage of the portal, um, and we'll talk in a minute. I'm yeah. actually curious to get your thoughts on like the playoff in general, but but when USC gets to the do to, to the Big Ten, what do you think about them from a competitive perspective?
4: I I mean I think they will compete for a conference title with Lincoln Riley. I don't think that they would have done that with. Um, with Clay Helton as their head coach. I think that it does change, they become a national contender. What I think is going to be interesting is in what we've just seen in this short period of time of how Lincoln Riley has kept some of the biggest prep names in Southern California, uh, has now gotten them to maybe back off their commitments, you know, and following him to Oklahoma and allowing him to, you know, to coach these guys at USC. I'm curious, Aaron, on how it affects other schools, specifically in Oregon, maybe in Washington. And I'm also curious on how the Big Ten now does in the su- in Southern California. Does that play any difference uh, to them in helping them? Maybe maybe they're getting a few more players than you know than just uh, Chris Olave going to Ohio State. By the way, it wasn't a five star guy anyway. But I, I I'm curious to see how that works out. But as it moves in right now. Yeah, they're I mean they're top 3 with Ohio State, Michigan and 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 USC in the Big 10. I don't know if they're better than those two schools are right now, but um yeah, they'll they'll compete for for a title when they end up going in 2 years.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you this really quick. We'll get to break, we'll come back and talk more about this, but I had an interesting conversation with a coach buddy of mine about recruiting, and I think it could work one of two ways. I think there's this perception that all these schools are going to be able to recruit the West Coast now, but the inverse of that is that They'll also if you're a player, now, look, the elite players are going to go to Ohio State if that's going to get them to the NFL, same mm-hmm. with Michigan, whatever. Um, but but the argument that I made with a buddy of mine is if you don't get that USC or UCLA offer, um, and you know, it's it, you can go to Michigan State or Purdue or Illinois or whatever. You only get one game a year where your parents can come see you. And I do wonder if, you know, whatever we get as the next iteration of the Pac 12 or wherever Oregon, Washington ends up, I do wonder if it helps those teams. Because everyone assumes, oh, all the recruiting is going to fall off this, that, whatever. Yeah. USC can only take so many guys. UCLA, if they're competing at, well, I know they were good last year, but if they're going five and seven last, you know, in the Big Ten, I don't know that people are excited to play there. And maybe it does. Maybe the, the the fall off at places like Oregon, uh, Washington, maybe Arizona, Arizona State, maybe San Diego State schools like that. It's not as much as you think. Uh, this is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Dan Byers sitting in for Jason Smith and Mike Harmon, dealing with the dead battery. Head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like. Free free battery testing and free battery charging. Their free battery testing can help you if you need a new battery or not, and if you do happen to need a replacement battery, they can help you with that too. They've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just 79.99, and they're the only place you can find proven tough DuraLast batteries. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone. Your battery solution in America's number one battery destination. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason, uh, Jason, uh, Jason Martin. Oh my goodness! Uh,
4: number one, first time it happened I, tonight. It's all happening well, tonight. Yeah, there it is. It's not my
3: fault. I mean, Jason Martin, Jason Smith. You get the point. <laughs> Aaron Torres, Dan Byer, and for Jason Smith and Mike Arm. Jason and Mike will be back tomorrow. Coming up, we continue the college football conversation, but turn our attention from what is now to what is next. What does the postseason look like? Is everyone other than the Big Ten and SEC going to get get boxed out?
0: Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. They'll show you the right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Vredestein tires. They're shipped fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com to see their Vredestein test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. This is the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon. Jason and Mike out tonight. They will be back tomorrow. Aaron Torres and Dan Beyer sitting in for Jason. And Mike, more than you bargained for, Dan, let me tell you. USC and UCLA. First of all, do you – you know, I talked to some people over the weekend. I I get – so so. I think the first reaction that we all have to this news, right, is, is what I think we just discussed, the geography the, the flights, uh, not just for football, but but for the Olympic sports, all that stuff. And I will tell you, I heard some pretty compelling arguments as to why it's not as big of a deal as everybody makes it out to be. but it's easy to say that. and then to again use the the term from the song that that brought us into this segment more than you bargain for. Um, do, what do you think US, do you think USC and UCLA are going to look up in 2028 and say, yeah, it was probably the right move. But man, this is a lot, flying across the country all these times for all of these sports is a lot harder than I had than I had initially imagined.
4: When those checks come in, all of that will be forgotten. It will like, be, but like this is this is what I like for people that may you know hate their job but they stay in it because the the paycheck is pretty healthy. They get that reminder, you know, twice a month. All well, right, this is this is why I do it, and that's. But, that, that's, that's where I think it plays out.
3: I don't think you're wrong, but the difference is the people who are cashing the paycheck are not the ones that are going to deal with the brunt of... The negative that comes with being in the Big Ten—it's going to be the softball players and the tennis players and the golfers and frankly the basketball players. I think football's the least of concerns. It's a couple. It's probably four road games a year. Um, you know, you play three out of conference games on the West Coast. You never leave the West Coast. You get five games coming back this way or four games coming back this way, and then you have you know once a month essentially you're flying really across country. Uh, I, but I do think. It's easy for Mike Bone, the AD, or the administration. And again, I'm not saying I don't get why they did it. I do get it. But if you're the USC track coach and you're flying across country eight times a year, or you know you're you're Andy Enfield, the basketball coach, flying across country five times from the beginning of January till the beginning of March, and then that's just to start the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. I, I do wonder if if you're just like uh, I, I get why we did well, it, but was it all worth it?
4: There, there. Listen, there are, are softball teams uh, in the upper Midwest that have to go and spend like a month in Florida. True, because there's no, there's no. You're not going to be playing outdoors in you know late February. So that is, I don't want to say that that is that is the same. I also just would say those those athletes and those coaches never. It never had an input anyway, like uh, on it. So it's like it's like like it or not, tough beans. Like this is what we're going to have to do. But it's also a reason why I don't think that the Big Ten's expansion is done. Just again, that map that was circulating on on Twitter when the the move was announced to show where the 14 members of the Big Ten, current members of the Big Ten, are. And then you just see it on a map and you see on the far left on the edge of Southern California, USC, and UCLA. I mean, it is such a gap. And that's, I just, I don't think it's done necessarily yet. And I still think at some point, whether, whether it be in Oregon and Washington, whether it be a Stanford Cal, whether it be a, utah colorado sort of thing aaron i just i don't think that the big 10 is done at 16 for those reasons that you mentioned
3: do you assume because i i do assume and i don't want to put words in your mouth i I don't think there's going to be crazy movement until notre dame makes a decision do you think it's it all hinges on notre dame like if notre dame says we're sticking with this independence thing for the foreseeable future then i think it slows down do you feel that way or not at all
4: yeah yeah because the reason because I think that the Notre Dame is the domino for a couple of reasons, because you talk about their independence, but there's also the option of joining the ACC. There's that option out there. And if they join the ACC, then the Big Ten says, "Okay, we look elsewhere. And you and I have talked on on the show this or on the network over the last couple of days for those that missed it. Oregon and Washington are kind of in a holding pattern because I think everybody is waiting for that Notre Dame domino to Mm -hmm. fall. Because if it falls to the Big Ten, then the Big Ten can really reassess where they want to go next. Oregon and Washington will always be there. And honestly, they're probably going to always be there because the SEC isn't a threat to take them. But if the Big Ten gets Notre Dame, now the Big Ten says, hmm... Maybe we get North Carolina or maybe we get Georgia Tech. Maybe we get, you know, these schools and, and go that way. Whereas if Notre Dame goes to the ACC, then those institutions, in the ACC, are maybe more likely to stay. And then that's when you can bring in your West you know Coast teams, whether it be Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford, whoever. So, yeah, Notre, Notre Dame is the one domino because of all of the different uh, places that it could fall. And if they stay independent, then the ACC is up for grabs and the SEC may want to go after them as well. And now you've got a bidding war between those two school, or two conferences. So, yeah, that's that's why it's such a big piece, and we're all just waiting on what Notre
3: Dame does. So we, of course, just discussed what Notre Dame may do. What do you think they will do? Because I'll tell you this really quick, is that I think there's this notion that, like, oh, they have this sweetheart deal with with NBC where all their games are broadcast nationally, which that is true. I looked it up the other day, Dan. I was kind of blown away. They make $15 million a year from that NBC deal we're and I know they make other money from the ACC and they certainly make other money from branding and marketing and ticket sales and whatever but when the Big Ten is potentially going to make somewhere in the 70 million dollar a year range for some of their teams and Notre Dame sitting at what 20 25 30 million if you include the ACC money it just feels like this might be that moment in time where they really have no choice but to actually make the move
4: yeah and the addition of USC helps I think move or make a put some put some balm on that sore if you will The, mm-hmm. the take a little uh, you know put a little honey on that throat that may be a little tough to swallow of joining a conference and having that school be with you because that is such a long you know storied rivalry and now you can almost have a built-in excuse with that Listen, Notre Dame plays Big Ten hockey I mean I don't, I'm not saying that like it's it's you know that that is a big sign but it's not like they're just solely there with the ACC. Like there are some there are some paths and and connections that they have, and so you match up some of the other sports. And then I just think it's you know it's a it's it's just a, such a natural fit, especially from where it's located and the rivalries and the schools that they they've of them going to the Big Ten. Yeah, I I, I just think when 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 it all comes down to it, and you're really weighing the ACC and the Big Ten. It's a no-brainer if Notre Dame wants to stay in a conference. If they stay independent, Aaron, I don't know who they're going to play.
3: It does get to that point, right? And I think we could see a scenario, too, by the way, where all of a sudden yeah, – listen, it wouldn't surprise me if like the Big Ten goes to like 10 league games at a certain point, right? It, yeah. you know, If they start expanding and saying the value is in playing our own conference, I, I don't, again, have any insight into what our bosses at Fox think about that. But I would think – more USC versus Penn State as opposed to USC versus uh, San Jose State to open the season. So it'll be interesting, and it does feel like this might be the moment in time where Notre Dame does have to make a tough decision. We'll see. I think stuff is going to start to to come out here over the next few days and maybe a few weeks, and and we'll see if there is further movement. Coming up, we go back to the NBA. One superstar headed back to where it all started. This is an interesting one. We'll discuss that next.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show with Mike Harmon weekdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific.
3: Mike check. Mike check.
1: If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real... I mean, that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To so make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. You've put it off long enough.
0: It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that'll elevate your drive.
2: free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Mike Harmon out. This is, of course, the Jason Smith Show. The guys will be back tomorrow. Dan Byer and Aaron Torres taking you till 2 a.m. Eastern time. We will also be back filling in for Doug Gottlieb tomorrow. By the way, if you want to tweet into the show, make sure to let us know where you are, how you're listening here on a 4th of July holiday. Hope everybody is having a great holiday. You can tweet us at Aaron underscore Torres at dan buyer on fox all right so i teased it a minute ago then we started talking soccer with DeSager. so we'll bring it back full circle but you know there's there's so much buzz about uh kyrie irving potentially being traded to the lakers and one thing you asked me earlier dan was over under you know how many games do you think they play do do they play does lebron ad and kyrie play 47 games which was the number that kd and kyrie played I said, I don't think so, because that works under the assumption that either everybody is healthy and on the court next year, which we know that's not really the case with AD and Kyrie, or they have an extended time frame together, which I don't know that I buy either. Why I bring it up? is because Brian Windhorst, who has been on fire lately with stuff, he kind of called this Jazz Rebuild before it ever happened the other day, uh, right before the Rudy Gobert trade happened. He had something interesting to say about LeBron James and his future. Brian Windhorst, of course, has covered LeBron James since he was in high school. And he said, this is something that no one is talking about, but is obviously a big thing that could impact next season. If LeBron James doesn't extend, then he plays out the year with the Lakers and tries to make the best of it. And we can start counting the Cleveland Cavaliers cap space. The insinuation being that Cleveland, young team, they did just sign Darius Garland to a big extension. But young team, LeBron obviously could be a free agent at the end of next season. And Brian Windhorst seems to be insinuating that he believes that we could get a return to Cleveland for LeBron James. So this is kind of a two-part question, okay? So one, do you buy it at all? But then two, I'll ask you this, and this is going to sound crazy. If you're Cleveland, do you want a what would then be 40-year-old LeBron James coming to your organization? Take it wherever you want, but but I, I do yeah. have, that second part is interesting and, to me.
4: And I heard Windhorse, you know, tell uh, Tony Rizzo and Aaron Goldhammer on the the really big show at ESPN Cleveland that If you end up watching what the Cavs are going to be doing, specifically what they do with Colin Sexton and what they do salary wise for 2023 and what they're trying to do cap wise, that could give you the indication that he was connecting the dots with, with the Utah jazz and the moves they made. So to watch the Cavs move, see if they're adding any cap space in uh, 2023, those would be some of the things to, to signal to your point. Yeah, I think that they would want him. I don't think that for I it wouldn't be like when LeBron left the Heat and came back to Cleveland. Sure. That would be for sure. I I, I do think though that if you are Cleveland, you want LeBron back, not because he's the Akron kid was, you know, left you broken but came back home. You now want him as another piece, even though he is forty years old. And, and I, I, I know he's going to be slowing down at some point. Um, I know that injuries can play into it, but still I think you want that basketball player on your team. So if I am a Cavaliers fan, I do want him, but by no means is it going to be with the fanfare of his return or obviously when they pick him on draft night. See,
3: see, I think it's interesting because I don't know that I would want him unless – I don't want to say concessions isn't the right word, but I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Um uh, producer Bo and I were talking about Russell Westbrook the other day, and and Russell Westbrook's biggest problem right now is that he doesn't realize that he is not the player that he was four or five years ago, and that you can't he cannot be the player that he thinks he is for a contending team. He has to accept that he is in a different part of his career, that he tried it solo, it didn't work out, whatever. He is not willing to accept that. And if you take LeBron James in the summer of 2023, as he heads towards a 40th birthday... It can't be this LeBron that comes here and trade this guy and add this guy and I don't want this guy and trade this draft pick. It can't be like that. And that's why I wouldn't bring in LeBron because I don't believe that he can be that guy that just rides off into the sunset. I think, listen, every time he steps on the court, every time he, he, he wants to compete at the highest level. And every team wants to compete at the highest level, but you, can't, you, you have to do it in the context of the framework of a team and of not everything this second. So that would be my concern, Dan. I right think
4: there. I think his motivation would be different than any of the other places and any of the other stops and in any of the other moves. Just for him to win another title, to add to his title, I, I actually think that and, – and it would allow the Cavaliers, by the way, to not have to give up the talent – that they would have on the team if they were able to make such sort of move work. True. And if you were to take a, you know, a discount, you know, a, home, you know, a hometown discount to end up trying to facilitate that, um, I think that would show that his, you know, that, that his goals are different. I don't think it would be to try to take over. I think that he would just want to put that exclamation point on his career
3: very interesting thought and I'll tell you this uh, it will be interesting to watch I, I, I think Kyrie ends up there I am not sold uh, that, that things work out and that they, they all stay there hunky dory for the long term this is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Dan Beyer in for Jason Smith and Mike Harmon Jason and Mike will be back tomorrow coming up we talk about another star Kevin Durant, he's on the trade block, where could he end up and what will the impact be, that's next Fox Sports Radio
2: from BBC Radio 4